0: Welcome to a special edition of the Commonweal Policy Podcast uh, with me, Jonathan Shafi. I'm the campaigns officer here at Commonweal and it's a special edition because I'm usually joined by Dr Craig D'Ell, our Head of Policy and Research um, here at Commonweal. Uh, This week though, we are joined by Lena Swedlow, who is heading up and involved in the Commonweal youth section and is developing activism around, among, among young people on the many issues uh, around which uh, Commonweal is engaged. Uh, Lena, welcome to the show. Um, how have you been keeping throughout the course of the lockdown?
1: Thanks very much, yeah, um, I've been keeping well. I think it's a very nerve wracking time for a lot of people and I've definitely been feeling that I'm worried about job prospects having just graduated myself. But um, I think it's politicized a lot of people and kind of laid the seeds for something better to come. So I'm hopeful as well as extremely anxious.
0: (laughs) Well, it's good to hear that optimism because uh, often when you look around the world today, um, it can be difficult to see that. On the other hand, I think that you are right to say that there are huge possibilities ahead, um, as well as great challenges. Uh, now, obviously, you don't speak for all young people, but I, I am interested to uh, get your perspective. I'm 34. I like to think I'm still uh, particularly young, but maybe not quite. Uh, maybe not quite in the same bracket. And it's interesting because generational differences um, have been the subject of much discussion. People have often said that the youth or the younger generation um, are where we should put our hope, and that. Uh, progressive politics may come from that generation. Myself, I, I think that we should be building a, an intergenerational, a cross-generational uh, movement, as I know th- that you do as well. But but I'm in- interested just to find out, you know, when you look at the the economic consequences of the, of the virus, and in fact, even before the virus you look at the, the kind of economy, the precarious work and temporary jobs and all the rest of it, what's your sense of things when it comes to some of these big economic questions, uh, you know, as as you're looking forward in in your uh, young adult life.
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right that there needs to be an intergenerational approach to um, kind of solving or at least addressing some of these issues. Um, But the reality is a lot of this precarious employment Uh, has fallen and probably will fall on the shoulders of um, young people themselves and so I think it's especially important in the light of COVID to look at those who are financially unstable and and these consequences really fall on the younger demographic in a way that I think hit harder precisely because there isn't a a safety net or a basis for a lot of young people Um, and so it's definitely a tumultuous time but as you say there's incredible hope and and movement because and especially in a country like Scotland where we had the independence referendum in 2014 so we really have a politicised young generation and you see that manifesting differently all over the world Um, I don't really think we've got a generation that's comfortable sitting quietly taking the consequences and taking this kind of economic recession on its shoulders Um, and I think with Technology advancing and the use of social media we've really got some powerful tools to actually make some change for young people and um, better the lives and the financial stability of that whole demographic
0: sure i mean that that I think is is definitely a, a kind of good overview of of where things are i mean one of the one of the things that I often reflect on is. Uh, you look at the, the kind of jobs which politicians talk about, um, and they're very keen to talk about numbers of jobs. Um, but often when you look at the kind of conditions that they're talking about, or the kind of pay and the kind of uh, permanence that might be uh, given to people in terms of job security, then it's really lacking. Mm. So the the kind of things that you have opened up there, um, I think, are, are are clearly essential, and there are groups in Scotland who are, who are active around this better than zero, uh, and others who who've been campaigning around the the issues uh, that you raise around around work and unemployment and so on. Um, and of course, the the other, I mean, I say the other big challenge, but I mean, just uh, I think that would be slightly undermining the. Uh, the, the the scale uh, of what's coming ahead when it comes to the question of uh, the climate and of climate change. Uh, we've seen a huge movement, and I have to say, uh, driven uh, by this huge awakening um, among young people uh, around the question of the environment and of climate change. And often people can view the question of climate and the question of jobs and uh, the economy as being separate things but of course they are tightly interwoven so what's your um, take on the question of climate change and campaigning around it but also how that links to a social justice agenda?
1: I think those two fights uh, have to be interlinked for either to be successful um, you cannot have an environmental movement that does not recognize environmental racism Otherwise it's missing a significant part of the story. And the history of colonialism led to our carbon-intensive economies that now push young people into precarious employment in our consumer economies um, that produce the demand for those jobs. Um, So I really don't think that they can ever kind of be taken as two issues. Um, That being said, it's a lot to campaign on everything at once. And so when it comes to campaigning, um, as much as it's amazing to try and have that holistic approach when it here and now I think it's important to focus on particularly in the employment question the kinds of jobs that we want to build and not funnel but push young people towards um, and what that does for the economy at large and also the communities that those jobs are in um, and Yeah, it would be great if we could aim at no more zero-hour contracts, but we also need to be looking at exactly the impact of what that labour and that employment does to the communities around it. Um, There's some great examples in Scotland happening already. And um, I just think, as you say, this is an opportunity and there's so much movement and this radical awakening of young people in the last couple of years that have really woken up and just said absolutely not this is we're going to make some noise about all of the problems as we see it and somebody's going to listen and that's been I mean truly inspiring and also made some real change and so I'm excited to see how that goes forward in in relation to just transition and, and all the employment problems we're now facing in light of COVID.
0: Yes, and it's interesting as well that when you mentioned uh, colonialism there, that we've also, of course, um, been discussing all of these huge questions against the backdrop of what I think is a truly historical development in the Black Lives Matter uh, protests and in the uprisings that we've seen against not just uh, police brutality, but uh, a racist system. And people are joining the dots, aren't they, between... Um, those questions that have emerged and have been so pushed to the top of agenda around mm-hmm. opposition to racism, uh, alongside understanding the need for economic justice and environmental justice to mm-hmm. come at the same time. So, I suppose it's this kind of process of connecting these dots. Would Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. And I think one of the nicer parts of the last couple of weeks. Um, has been that uh, uh, an awakening of its own kind and kind of most people are starting to at least I I think I hope join those dots between you know talking about the American context the system that perpetrates Cancer Alley in Louisiana and the effect of most pollution falling on low-income people of color in deprived communities And connecting that to police brutality and connecting that to redlining and connecting that to all these different legacies of the different strands of racism and as 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 we move forward especially in the climate movement that's something that enlightenment is something that's really really important to keep in mind Um, even in Scotland where we might not have the history of Cancer Alley we have our own versions of that.
0: So just coming on then, you know, with all of that as a kind of framework for the kinds of issues which uh, we're involved in, in different ways, Um, uh, we're involved in different organisations, movements, campaigns, Um, but coming on specifically to talk about Commonweal, Mm. um, it's probably worth asking, and I think the listeners will be interested to know as well, was there anything in particular that first attracted you towards Commonweal before we get on to the a discussion about the, the big campaigns that, that we'll be running in the, the youth um, section of Commonweal as well. Was, what was it about Commonweal that you thought was um, important or interesting um, in terms of where you uh, take part in activism and in generating political ideas and campaigns?
1: Um, I got involved when I found out that Commonwealth was developing our common home because of the vision of the scope of that project um, and also because the driving force of that paper and that project and the campaign was action and I think we've seen a lot of climate activism, we've seen a lot of pledges, promises and incremental baby steps and part of that waking up with the climate movement was the realisation, again, a kind of joining of the dots of this isn't one thing, this is everything, this is how we live our lives and that contributes to the problem, that is in essence the problem that causes climate change um, and everything that comes with it. So it was really that scope and that drive towards action that attracted me to our common home and commonweal And then I went along to events and meetings and and the people and the communities that I got to meet and be involved in were really part of what made me stick around. Um, And then, yeah, this promise of empowering young people and politicising young activism in a way that's specific to Scotland, um, that felt really important and really significant and I would be hard-pressed to find an an analogue of that happening elsewhere in Scottish politics. So that's really what drew me to Commonweal, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good, uh, again, overview of 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 being involved in Commonweal and of some of the issues which Commonweal have taken up and I think will be attractive to people. I mean the Common Home Plan um was a huge uh, bit of work which we did, a big launch around and everything else. And that was due to be the big plan for this year. That was due to be our huge campaign and effectively was a Green New Deal blueprint for Scotland. Um now obviously the coronavirus has interrupted that and it has meant that the challenge that we um, have set ourselves is an even greater one because alongside lots of the work for our common home we have constructed um, a huge amount of work and a really coherent uh, framework for how we will be able to rebuild the Scottish economy in a way that centers workers the communities uh, and not the kind of corporate lobbyists uh, and the old status quo that will really transform the Scottish economy and in doing so, transform it uh, for the environment and to meet the challenges of climate change at the very same time. So within that context, Lena, um, maybe you could tell listeners a bit about, um, and if there are any listeners who are uh, able to join uh, the Youth Wing, then this is uh, the time to, to really listen in. Um, Tell us a bit more about the Commonwealth Youth Section, because I know it is still embryonic, but it has been having some meetings and I believe that it is developing some plans uh, going into the future.
1: Mm, Yeah, definitely. Um, There's been two groups kind of running in parallel between Glasgow and Edinburgh. And recently, because we're all working remotely anyway, we've had the opportunity to connect them into a nationwide movement. And there's some really exciting plans uh, coming out of those meetings, which will involve using the youth group as a way to, in alignment with the ideals and values of commonweals, empower um, a young generation to be politically active. So running workshops and reading groups um, that will be run by young people, for young people, and the details of that will be coming out hopefully um, this week and we'll get them up and running for the end of the month and into August and Something that the group that I was part of in Edinburgh was really interested in doing around the our common home plan was Using that as a as an example of policy and dialogue so starting a seminar series which unfortunately was cut short by um, the coronavirus crisis, but we held a few events before everything got shut down, to pick apart different parts of the plan and look at how it affected communities and young people and job prospects and the feasibility of those parts and the problems, getting industry professionals along um, to really join in, in that discussion. And it was something that was really lovely to see all these different people from all walks of life come behind and back and um, discuss and really talk in and get involved. So that's some stuff that the youth group has been doing in the past and going forward, as I said, trying to use it as a space to make sure that young people can be politically active. Um, and that's something I'm really excited about, making sure that we're developing economic literacy and skills to be an activist in young people so that even if that isn't developed um, For Commonweal, um, we've got a young generation that had the opportunity to be empowered and had all the right skills. That's what we're looking into there.
0: So as well as it being a kind of campaigning, outward-looking campaign and movement, um, at the same time, it needs to be something which is educational. And which is training people in activist skills and in some of the pol- policy work that Commonweal has done. I mean, I think that in combination is a really strong uh, foundation for building what I think will be a really impressive campaign. One of, mm. the, things that, one of the things that I have noticed, um, and I find this quite interesting, is that if you look at the polls in relation to Scottish independence, there is now a majority for Scottish independence quite consistently, um, or at least over the last two polls. If you dig into those statistics further, you find that uh, the younger people are in Scotland, the more likely they are to support independence. In fact, one of the recent polls showed that 70 percent of 16 to 24 year olds were in favour of Scottish independence. Now, what i find it what i find interesting about this is that the contrast these polls have with uh young people's involvement in the independence movement i mean lots of the conferences and events and meetings that i have attended over the last year or so before the lockdown around the independence movement you'd be hard pushed actually to find uh many people in their early 20s or in their late teens um and yet it seems to me that the kind of things that you're talking about seems to be a really strong gateway for people to become involved in politics. So I suppose what I'm asking here is that when it comes to one of the major questions of our time and one of the the really dominant um, parts of Scottish politics, uh, i.e. independence, it seems to me that by uh, locating a range of other issues within the context of Scottish democracy and increased Scottish democ- uh, uh, democracy and autonomy um, is really a way that seems to be engaging lots of lots of younger people. Does that connect with your experience?
1: I think so, and I think it 's always important in independence um, particularly when talking to young people um, to talk about the kind of independence that we want and in my experience, talking to young people and out campaigning, and you know, just in the pub with friends, like the drive and the appeal of of that feeling is um, primarily hopeful that independence will provide a nation that doesn't have such you know rampant issues that as the like those that have been exposed by the Corona crisis. Um, And more and more, I think we're seeing a push for independence in young people as an opportunity to really make Scotland sustainable and make Scotland more environmentally friendly, um, for want of a better word that's not so um, wishy-washy. But um, I really think that... Defining what we mean by independence will be important as we move forward and is important to draw young people into those spaces and get involved in these conversations in a more active way. As you say, it's a little disheartening to see when you're the only young person in the room at these conversations sometimes. But I think we have to work in the independence movement to make sure that what we're talking about is independence for the sake of a country that appeals to that demographic as well.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that will excite people. What would not excite people if it becomes a kind of dry constitutional issue, which actually independence in, in modern times has never really been about that. I think you nailed it when you said it is about building a country uh, which attempts to overcome lots of the problems which we've discussed in this podcast and, and more broadly. Um, and it's about using the process of getting independence as a way to build up the kind of movements that we'll require uh, to bring about that, that change. And, and, of course, Commonweals is just one part of, of that movement, of which there are many groups uh, and, and organisations. I suppose just, um, you know, coming towards the end here, I think that one of the really important uh, developments that we've seen, not just over the last few months, but actually probably over the last decade or so, is that there's been a real internationalization of campaigns and movements and of organizations who are opposed to the present economic model and who want to see economic, environmental and uh, racial justice. And they want to, uh, in order to achieve those goals, link arms um, across national boundaries and between countries in order that we can build a really and truly global movement Um, that can challenge the status quo um, at uh, an international level. Um, It seems to me that the climate movement has been part of this process. Um, We've seen it with the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm no doubt at all that we'll see it with other uh, movements uh, that emerge as things develop. But how important to you is internationalism? And is there any scope, you think, for the youth section of Commonwealth to develop international links with similar, organi- uh, similar organizations um, across uh, Europe and beyond?
1: I think that would be a, an amazing thing for Commonwealth to you- look into, um, Commonwealth Youth Group. Once we have established kind of a solid base of aims and goals, not a manifesto, but a list of values and things we want to achieve as that group. And going from that base looking to other organizations that are spread across the world not only as inspirations but as collaborators would be something that I'd be honored to be part of and um, it'd be amazing to just talk to other young people in other countries and see what works in local contexts and see the cultural differences and similarities. Um, in terms of the importance and, and, and kind of the ideological importance I don't think it can be overstated um, that yes, this is a local problem and we have local solutions, but this has to be a global movement. And um, as you say, we've mentioned and talked about some of the movements that are addressing that around the world um, and addressing these issues. But I think there are young people all over the world doing this work and to create a communication network and a kind of grassroots alliance using tools and social media that would be uh something that we could really look into at commonwealth use and look at building yeah
0: i mean it all sounds extremely exciting uh so i mean i guess just lastly then if people do want to get involved um maybe you could tell uh, any listeners uh, how they might do that uh, and also, um, and this is quite a shame for me, it does make me quite sad if you can also tell people the the general age bracket around which <laughs> people can join uh, the youth section uh, of, of Commonweal.
1: Yeah, um, my email is lena at Commonscott. You could email me there. We have a public Facebook page. You can shoot us a message there. Um, and as I said earlier, we will be having some meetings coming up, and the public events will. Uh, for those will be out soon and will be emailed out to our volunteers as well Um, and the age range we're looking at is under 27s so that's what we're looking at right now with particular eyes at getting strong working groups across campuses um, and schools in, in Scotland.
0: That sounds absolutely brilliant and thank you for taking the time out uh, to take part in the podcast. It's been a great pleasure talking through these issues with you. Um, The youth section of Commonweal is embryonic, is under development but we think it's got absolutely massive uh, potential in the months and years ahead. Commonweal is running a huge campaign um, around how we will rebuild from the coronavirus our economy, our society, our democracy how we will build independence, an independence that can truly transform uh, the lives of people who live and work in Scotland. And over the next few weeks, you will see much more of that campaign. Uh, we have many people volunteering from right across the country, over a thousand people now. We've had amazing press con- uh, press presences um, in uh, all of the mainstream outlets, covering our policy papers. We have another policy paper, the third um, of our papers looking at how we rebuild from COVID uh, that will be released at the weekend. So it's an extremely busy time, an extremely exciting time. And it's, I think, an extremely urgent time for people to be involved in organizations like Commonwealth. So do join if you're under 27, The Commonweal Youth Wing, and if you are wanting to take part in Commonweal more generally, get in touch through all the usual channels. If you can make a donation towards us, I know times are tight, but be assured that all donations that are sent in our direction are put towards all of the output that we are working so hard to deliver, both at the level of policy and at the level of building movements and campaigns around that policy. Next week, we'll be back looking at that third and final paper uh, that brings together all of our reports. And we will be speaking next week again to Craig DL. Uh, in the meantime, that's all from us here. Thank you once again, Lena, for joining us. And tune in next week and find out more about what we're doing here at Common.
1: Thanks very much.